Welcome to the Crowds Line College Football Show, featuring Coach Lou Holtz and Mark May. Every week, you can predict the winner, the score, and compete against the crowd for prizes. Sign up on the Crowds Line app or by going to thecrowdsline.com. Welcome to the Crowds Line College Football Show with Lou Holtz and Mark May. I'm your moderator, Kevin Trimble, and it is a pleasure to be here with these two football legends. Hall of Fame and National Championship coach Lou Holtz and College Hall of Famer. And as we found out just this week, Mark May is going to be recognized as a, in the 2018 class of ACC legends. And that will take place in December in Charlotte at the ACC Championship weekend. So, Mark, congratulations. Coach, it's great to see you. Hey, Mark, I want to congratulate you. What a great accomplishment. You're being put in the ACC Hall of Fame, and you never played in the ACC. (laughs) That is a great boy. You are a lot better than I thought you were, Mark, but that's a heck of an accomplishment. You didn't know my middle name was Houdini, did you, Coach? (laughs) No, that's big time, Mark. (laughs) Well, one of the things, gentlemen, I want to look at is um, prayers go out from the crowds line and from all of us to Christian Abercrombie, linebacker, Tennessee State, um, a game against Vanderbilt, head injury. Um, he's in critical condition right now, but that just tells you that you know those things are happening. You know they happen; they always have happened. But our prayers go out to the, that young man down there in Nashville. And with that said, though, let's talk about some football this weekend, and mainly on the decision side. Talk about Penn State, Penn State, Ohio State, one point game. It's going down fourth and five for Penn State to. You know, get across, get a first down, get in there, kick a field goal, win the game. You know what? There's a lot of people, to include the head coach who made the call, questioning the call. And, Coach, I want to ask you first, from a coach's perspective, do you have any calls that you wish you could take back? And what was your reasoning behind that when you look at that call the other night? Oh, there are a lot of calls I would take back. People say after we lost the game, would you make any changes? I would hope so. I hope I'm not that dumb to say we'll keep doing the same thing. But... What was really remarkable about it, and I don't like to criticize or second-guess anybody, but Penn State had 491 yards total offense in that game. Trace McSorley accounted for 461 yards. The rest of the team accounted for 31 yards. In a critical time, you put the ball in your best player's hand, and obviously when he had that much productivity, you had to put it in Trace McSorley's hand to win or lose a game. I totally agree with that, Coach. As a player, you're sitting there looking at why would you call off-tackle play when our best player is the quarterback? Let him run it, let him throw it, let him do an RPO. And not only that, I go back to earlier in the game when Penn State had a double-digit lead. Why was Coach Franklin chasing the two-point conversion? If he kicks the extra point, at least they got an opportunity to go to overtime in this game. Well, we're going to see how that goes, these decisions, because the Big Ten, um, it could be up and down. There's only one undefeated team left in the Big Ten. Mark, I'm going to start off this next question with you. You told me a long time ago that when I think you were a senior at Pitt, um, one of your friends was you know, pretty much the heir apparent, going to be the starting quarterback, came in with you, and then some freshman walked on the field and could sling the ball. And you all even looked at your friend and said, hey, yeah, sorry, this Dan Marino guy's pretty good. You're, you're done. <laughs> now, take that down to Clemson, South Carolina. Trevor Lawrence comes in. Kelly Bryant worked his way up to be the starter. And you know what? He said, did his four game. I'm transferring. I'm out. Look what happens the very next play. What are your thoughts on transferring in the middle of the season to, you know, to chase a dream? Oh, by the way, Kelly Bryant had his college degree in hand. He's transferring graduate schools. What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Well, look at some of the transfers across the country that have had great success, the Will Greers and players like that. And you can even go back to Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma that have transferred and had success. But in this situation, I think Dabble wanted to do what was right for both players. He saw that he had the best quarterback on the field in his freshman and Trevor Lawrence. That's the way they wanted to go. It's unfortunate the way that this played out, but it almost backfired on Dabble. But luckily he had another freshman come in and take over and do a heck of a job for them. Well, he did do that, but I always told our players and I told my children the same thing. I want you to decide one time a year what you're going to do. You don't get up every day and say, do I want to play football? I'm first team. I want to play. I'm second. I don't want to play. No, it's unfair to your teammates. All the time and effort you put in their hopes and dreams, aspirations to win a national championship, you decide once a year. After that year's over, you decide you don't want to be a club. God bless you. I'll help you go wherever you want to go. But you don't make that decision every single day. And I say this to everybody. Listen, you don't get up every day saying, do I want to do this job or not? Make that decision one time and live with it. 
You can mark me down as undecided. <laughs> mark and Coach transfers. We're going to hear a lot about them as we move on for the rest of this football season. Last topic, very quickly. When seven of the undefe 21 undefeated teams lost this week, those there's probably only you know ups one upset. We could say that the unranked Virginia Tech beat 22 ranked Duke. But what about the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs taking on the only undefeated team in Conference USA in the green machine of North Texas? And they even unretired me, Joe Green's number for this game. And it came down to a defensive player pretty much winning that game for Louisiana Tech. Coach, tell us about that team down there in Ruskin, Louisiana. <laughs> I got to have a disclosure on this. The head coach is uh, my son, Skip. But... I didn't have anything to do with the format of this show, but that was a great win because this North Texas uh, team, they won the USA division uh, last year. They also this year was undefeated and beat Arkansas 44-10 to at Arkansas, and that was very, very good. So it was a great win for Skip, but it still only counts one win for Louisiana Tech. It doesn't count three or four, but it was a nice win to get on the road. I can tell you this, by the end of the year, we're going to hear this story again out of Coach. Do you remember back in the season when Louisiana Tech beat the undefeated North Texas? Hey, don't forget <laughs> about that. That was a big win. <laughs> it might be their only one, but we'll see. Uh, Amik Robertson blocking a, kick, uh, blocking a 46-yard field goal attempt with 33 seconds left. I'm going to tell you, that's exciting football right there. Well, what, so what the, the irony of this is last year, North Texas beat Louisiana Tech by one point when Louisiana Tech missed a field goal on the last play of the game from the seven-yard line. So it sort of evens out last year and this year. Well, we're going to see some irony in one-point loss and use the term last year and this year here real soon. So uh, 14 undefeated teams left. We'll see how this is going to go here in a couple weeks. We're going to argue and say who should be in the playoff, who should be allowed to playoff. Is the playoff good? Should it four? Should it be eight? How's that going to go? All right, so now's our time that we're going to review the Week 5 College Football Show Contest. You heard about those games, and we picked four in that College Football Show Contest. Number 12, West Virginia, at then number 25, Texas Tech in Lubbock. Mark, you got that one with a spread. Syracuse, 4-0, at number 3, Clemson, spread as well. Number 4, Ohio State, 4-0, at number 9, Penn State. Mark, you picked Penn State. Coach, you picked Ohio State. You won that one. Number seven, Stanford, at number eight, Notre Dame. Well, we know who won that one as well, <laughs> Coach. So I want to start off the first game. West Virginia, Will Greer going down to Lubbock, Texas. That was 42-34. Um, that was a pretty close game. Wasn't close in the first half, but they came out and, uh, you know, West Virginia finding those ways to wins in Lubbock. Mark, what do you think about that game? Well, if you look at the first half, Will Greer was outstanding in that football game. He threw for most of his passing yardage. His three touchdowns, they were all in the first half. They had a 35-10 to 10 lead. And for some reason, in the second half, Dana decided to pull his foot off the gas. They couldn't do anything. But as I stated in the, about this game last week, Coach, I said the defense would make a play for West Virginia. Tony Gibson's defense did a terrific job in the first half, slowing Texas Tech down, holding them to the 10 points. But at the end of the game, they got a pick six, which sealed the contest for them. I told you their defense is one of the better defenses in the Big 12, and it proved out in this football game. Their offense, you talk about Will Greer and all the great wide receivers, that's awesome. But I still think it comes down to making plays, and they had to get a defensive stop, and they got a defensive play. And what's really amazing, uh, Mark, they had a very, very good defensive lineman transfer out of West Virginia to another school. So their defense has been very impressive. I can speak personally. You're up 35-10 to 10 at halftime. Your opposition is no longer the team on the other sideline. It's the clock. And you have a tendency to play against the clock instead of trying to put points on the board. You think, well, maybe we have enough to win, et cetera. And you lose the momentum of your football team. In addition to that, your, your team just doesn't have a sense of urgency that you have when the game is very, very close. And the enthusiasm, the you just want to get the game over. Let's get on the bus and go home. Because it wasn't not even at halftime. They got into the third quarter. It was 35 to 10. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but I'll tell you this. The one thing about Kingsbury at Texas Tech, Mark, they can put points on the board in a hurry. <laughs> That's the one thing. He has an excellent offensive mind, and he's on his third-team quarterback, and no matter who they put in a quarterback, they can throw and catch the football as yeah. well as anybody in the country. They find ways to get it done. Well, Mountaineers go off, play Kansas. They're going to find a way to get it done there. Texas Tech is going to TCU. Our next game, Syracuse at Clemson. We talked about this revenge game. Trevor Lawrence's 
first start. His backup's a, a, a guy named Chase Bryce wearing a, 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 gr a green coverall on the sideline so he could be seen because they were going to air it out. And you know what? Trevor Lawrence goes down. Clemson holds on 27-24. Mark, tell us about that game. Gutsy, gutsy performance in this game. And you look at Chase Bryce, the quarterback. He got in there. They wouldn't let him throw. They tried to throw a couple of passes, Coach, and he was off on every single pass, throwing behind receivers over their heads. But then when they really needed, with three minutes to go, just, to, just barely in the game, 94 yards, they had to travel down the, down the field. What he does, he drives his team down. Not only that, he completes a pass. And that's what really got him. He got a 20-yard completion on fourth and six to keep the drive going. And in this drive, he pulls down a run and runs the ball in an RPO, takes off himself and runs the football. Guess what? 17 yards on the play. He could have slid and gone down and got the first down, but he ran over defenders. He had that grit to keep moving the chains and getting the ball closer to the goal line. They're going to be naming kids Chase. If, if they win a national championship for the next 10 years down there, they're going to make a statue of this kid. They're going to be <laughs> writing songs about Chase Bryce because he's going to be the link that got them to the playoff this year if they win the the rest of the season well you're sitting there at halftime you're behind a very very explosive offense football team and your star quarterback just went down and the guy who's been the starter is no longer with you kelly bratt you go in there at halftime i'm sure the defense said man we got to carry this game we we cannot allow syracuse to put many points on the board our defense has to play outstanding offensively the offensive line and you know this mark it's up to you we're going to pull on you. We aren't going to put the burden on a freshman quarterback. We're putting the burden on the offensive lineman, the running back. And he gained over 200 yards. First time in many games that Clemson had a back gain 200 yards. But let's give the quarterback credit. And I see this all the time, Mark. You get a freshman quarterback come in. They want to win. Boy, they aren't going to slide. They're going to dive. They're going to do all these things. And all of a sudden, they get to be juniors and seniors. They think they're passers. And they want to pass the ball all the time. And they no longer have that urgency and desire to fight in there to get that extra yard. It happens all the time. But congratulations. I don't think Clemson's as good as we thought. Even uh, if Lawrence does come back and appears to be a strained neck, not a concussion. He should be back. But when you look at it, maybe Texas A&M is not as good as we thought in the opening game. Are we going to get another test for Clemson? They're at Wake Forest next week. Syracuse is going to the Pitt Panthers next week. But our Boy. third game was the Ohio State going into Happy Valley. And how'd that turn out? Once again, one-point game. Ohio State 27, Penn State 26. Um, a lot of discussion on that game. Mark, lead us off about that big game, Happy Valley, Big Ten. I'll tell you what, if you look at the last three games these teams have played, I think it's a total of five points between these teams. A one-point win this year, a one-point win last year, and then they lost to Happy Valley by three points two years ago. I look at this team with Dwayne Haskins. This team has a lot of heart, and you look at a lot of the athletes that Ohio State has on their football teams on both sides of the ball. We keep talking about their defense, how great their defensive front is, but they keep getting gashed on the ground no matter who they play, and it's going to catch up to them. But the key was Dwayne Haskins in the last seven minutes found a way to find the end zone twice, not once but twice within the last seven minutes for that one-point victory. I thought that was a very gutty drive for, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Not only that, if you look at Penn State, the mistakes they made in this game, everybody talks about the fourth down call, but I still go back. You don't chase those points. You're already got a double-digit lead. Kick the extra point, take the freebies, and move on from there. And James Franklin didn't do that in this game, and I think that's what cost him. Well, I was surprised. The Penn State's defensive line, Mark, dominated the Ohio State offensive line. They did a lot of slanting and twisting, and Ohio State's offensive line could not... Uh, uh, handle that. I think Haskins showed how good he is in the fourth quarter. Down by 12, as you mentioned, two touchdown passes. However, Penn State gave the game away by the way they tackled at the end of the game. They played an excellent defense game, but when you throw a five-yard swing pass and you have the guy on the sideline, there's one yard between he and the sideline, and your tackle misses him and doesn't knock him out of bounds, and consequently he goes in all the way for the touchdown. It's things like that. It's the little things that make the difference. I used to say, because the nail was lost, the shoe was lost, because the shoe was lost, the horse was lost, the horse was lost, the rider was lost, the rider was lost, the message was lost, because the message was lost, the battle was lost, because the battle was lost, the war was lost, and it goes back to the little thing, tackle the guy or knock him out of bounds, period. Oh, well, Coach, that's a mouthful, <laughs> but you're right. OSU, we're going to see who lost there. OSU is uh, Ohio State hosts Indiana. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Penn State's got a bye week. I'm sure that's going to be a fun week. And our last game in the college football show contest, Stanford went into Notre Dame. Ian Book looked awesome. K.J. Costello was on his back five times. 
Final score, Notre Dame 38-17. Mark, talk to us. You pick Stanford. Notre Dame just wore them down in the second half, outscoring Stanford 17-3. And Bryce Love got knocked out of his football game. I think that was key for Stanford because he's their best football player. No doubt about it, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But what Notre Dame was able to do is control the line of scrimmage. I'm really impressed on how long they are on the defensive line, and they can get to the quarterback, and they don't give up a lot of big plays, and they have an all-season long. But the key is for this football team, and I've said it before, once Brian Kelly made that decision to put A.M. Book in there as a quarterback, I thought that was the biggest change of his career coaching at Notre Dame because since the since then they've been on fire they scored 94 points in their last two games guess what the first three games they scored over just over 70 points so I think that was key this kid's a great passer coach I'll give you that he makes great decisions with the football he protects the ball and he's pretty mobile he can take off and run the ball but I like his feet in the pocket he doesn't always look to run first he always looks to, to, to complete the play downfield and make sure that his offensive line knows where he is in the pocket he's not one of these guys that runs off and scrambles all over he stays in the pocket and looks downfield and and tries to throw the ball vertically down the field to play. I agree with you completely, Mark. Eon Book has changed that football team completely, not just on offense but on defense as well. All of a sudden, the defense looks like they're going to put up some points on the board, and we have nine starters back, including our Hall defensive line. On the secondary, Todd Light, the defensive backfield coach, doing a great job. They're number 10 in pass-efficient defense. They get pressure on the passer. But when you go look at Notre Dame on offense, Mark, all of a sudden that offense has changed. The running backs get excited because now they can't just gear up to stop the run. The receivers are excited because if I get open, we're going to get the ball. And you have a receiver named Boykin. Made the great catch against LSU last year in the bowl game to win the game. He is really coming on outstanding. And Notre Dame is a very, very solid football team. But think about this, Mark. We beat Michigan with our second team. That's impressive. And I remember now, I picked Notre Dame in the final top four before the ball was kicked off. Well, we're going to get to that in a second, but as we go back now, we're going to review our rapid five, and we'll try to do that somewhat rapidly. We had five <laughs> games right there. South Carolina at number, seven, number 17, University of Kentucky Wildcats. Mark, you had that. Coach picked South Carolina, your former employer. 19 Oregon went to number 24 undefeated Cal, and you know what? Oregon took care of business there. Unranked Virginia Tech pulled an upset, so you speak, in Duke. Coach, you picked Virginia Tech. Mark, you paid tuition at Duke, and that's why you picked them. Number 20, BYU. You know what? They're no longer ranked, and they're not going to be ranked because they got beat by number 11, Washington. Mark, you got that on the spread. And then Army and Buffalo. Undefeated Buffalo, the cadets, yeah. the Black Knights, they went in there. Mark, you picked Buffalo. Coach, win for you. Of course you picked Army because you were in the Army. Now, starting our first game, South Carolina, Kentucky. Kentucky, 24-10. That's all you got to know, 24-10. Benny Snell did what he did with the offensive line. Defense played tough. And Kentucky's 5-0 and now. Mark, talk about the Wildcats. I'm on the Benny bandwagon now. He's convinced me. I'm on the Kentucky bandwagon because of Benny Snell Jr. The way that he's been able to play, they're almost a one-dimensional football team. They don't throw the ball out vertically. The quarterback has more picks than touchdowns. But Benny Snell is the stir that stirs the drink for this football team. Everyone relies on him. His emotion in the huddle, his emotion on the field, the way that he plays. And he's a physical downhill runner. He is the best running back, I believe, in the SEC right now, the way that he is playing, Coach. And that's the reason why Kentucky's winning their football games. They're going to have a tough one coming up this week. But I still like the way they play, and their defense has been awesome all season long. But there's one fact I want the viewing audience to understand. Out of nine games, I picked eight winners. The only one I missed was South Carolina, and South Carolina had four turnovers in the football game, and you can't win when you turn the football over. Congratulations to Texas. Uh, Snell Jr. is an outstanding back. Make no mistake about it. They're on a roll. We'll see what happens. But South Carolina did not play the way I thought they would, obviously. Well, turnovers is the theme. We're going to talk about Kentucky a little bit later. Oregon went to undefeated Cal. Cal undefeated no more. That was, uh, it wasn't really even close right there. So, um, Mark, we talked 42-24 plus by 20. Um, Mark and Coach, you both had Oregon winning by 13. Imagine that. It was a tough, tough game, you know, for about the first quarter. And now <laughs> Oregon is on their way to get up there in the Pac-12. Talk to us, well, Mark. 
Well, the big fellow, the quarterback, Justin Herbert, had a solid game, just 225 passes, but he had two touchdowns, did not turn the ball over, no interceptions. But the other key for Oregon, they not only had one back over 100 yards, they had two running backs over 100 yards. I think that loss against Stanford really put this team back on the track. Now they're focused again because they know they let one get away that shouldn't have gotten away, and they know that they can go and play with anybody in the Pac-12 right now. And Washington better watch out because if you look at Oregon, this is a pretty good football team that should be undefeated right now, Coach. I agree with you completely, Mark. I love their offense. They're very explosive. And, but Jim Lovett, their defense coordinator, has also done an excellent job with it. But the amazing thing about California, California was always throw the ball all over the lot, et cetera, put up 40 points. Now with Justin Wilcox, the new coach, coming in there from Wisconsin, they're running the ball. They're playing excellent defense. But they aren't the type of football team as explosive, as capable of beating an Oregon team. But Cal is a very good, solid football team. will win a lot of games and will end up in the bowl. Well, our, our next game, it's basketball season once again in Durham because Virginia Tech went in there and beat Duke 31-14 to with a backup quarterback, and uh, Bud Foster did what he's supposed to do. Mark, what do you think? Well, this team finally got the train back on the track again, as I used that expression before. They're playing better defense because if you look at that old Dominion game, that was really an anomaly for Virginia Tech. They never play that poorly on defense under Bud Foster. They're back what they should be able to do. But Ryan Willis, the quarterback, the Kansas transfer, was absolutely terrific in this game, Coach. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, didn't turn the ball over, moved the ball, and his first start on the road for the Hokies. Well, before I get too excited with the Hokies and bought tickets to the playoff, I'd be aware of one fact. Virginia Tech for the last two years, Mark, has not been able to run the football, and they can't run it now. Yes, they threw the ball very, very well, but their inability to run the football is going to keep them from being in a great football team. Defensively, I don't know how good they are. I thought they were great after FSU, but it turns out FSU, even with Cam Akers, the great running back, can't run the football. FSU's having all kinds of problems in their offensive line, so we thought that maybe Virginia Tech was just overwhelming. I, I'm not a big Virginia Tech fan right now because they can't run the ball and I don't know how good their defense is. Duke goes into a bye and Virginia Tech, we're going to talk about them later because uh, they're hosting an Irish visitor here comes soon. BYU was ranked number 20 at Washington and we said Washington number 11, lost the first game of the season 35-7. to BYU's not going to be ranked anymore. Gentlemen, Mark, lead us. What do you think about BYU-Washington? Well, I kind of knew this game was going to turn out like this. I think when you look at the quarterback and Jake Browning and what he was able to do in this football game, he was 23 of 25. And at one point of the game, he only had one incompletion. When you've got a quarterback that that's hot with the football, that can throw the ball all over the field and not make mistakes and complete just about every pass he's throwing, you're not going to lose any football games. And he didn't turn the ball over. He had two backs rush for over 80 yards. Miles Gaskin's back. Now you've got another compliment to him. I think the way that they're playing defensively, and I've talked about this weeks ago, they've got the best defense in the Pac-12, and they've got one of the best secondaries in the country, and it's playing true to form at this time. I, uh, I believe that BYU is not an outstanding football team. I think that they're going to really struggle this week uh, with Utah State. Utah State can do an awful lot because BYU has size, they have strength, and they definitely have age and maturity, but they don't have an awful lot of speed. Uh, I, I love Jake Browning. He's had a tremendous career, Mark, 23 and 25. But you know what? He's never really done that in a big game that counts, and that's what I want to see him doing. I want to see him do it against... Uh, uh, an Oregon or in the bowl game or something along that line or in the championship conference game. But uh, I, I just love Washington's an excellent football team. Peterson doesn't play it as wide open as he did at Boise State. But one thing's for sure, when people ask me to list the great coaches in the country, I, I have to list Peterson. I think he's outstanding. Well, Chris Peterson and those uh, Huskies are going to 0-4 UCLA next week. Our next game. Army, Black Knights, playing at undefeated Buffalo. And thought it would be a close game. Nope, 42-13. Army took it to them. Mark, you picked Buffalo. Coach, you picked Army. Mark, talk to about this game. Well, I thought that um, the Buffalo Bulls were there going to circle the wagons, but apparently they didn't circle the wagons in this game. And Kelvin Hopkins Jr. did it again on the ground and in the air. But I think it's the Black Knights defense held them to 255 yards total offense. I think that was the key to the game. And I think if you look at upstate New York, and I'm from upstate New York, this is a heck of a football game by Army. We all want Army to win, but the way that Buffalo was playing and some of the victories that they had this year, you thought that they would play a little bit better, but they took their quarterback down and he didn't have a good, uh, good football game in this one, Coach. 
Uh, they did circle the group, Mark, but it was a firing squad in a circle. They beat themselves. I said before that when you look at Army, Army just plays so well against passing teams. You know, they're a very, very solid football team. They control the football. This is a good football team. Remember, they lost in overtime to Oklahoma, and that's yep. no small feat. So I, I just think that uh, the Commander's Cup will probably be it. West Point this winter. Ooh. More on the Commanders and Chiefs trophy as we move on into the show. But before we talk about next week, let's talk right now, go back to the NFL or the college football playoff predictions. Mark, you had Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma with an asterisk, and Washington. Are you still are you sitting tight? I'm sitting tight with mine right now. Not making a change Coach, at all. Coach, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, and now Ohio State is in there. How are you feeling about that right now? I, I, I like Ohio State. I think they have a good path down there. Georgia's got a tough path. They've got to go and play LSU, and then they are going to have to beat Alabama in the championship game. They've got to get by Florida in a big uh, cocktail party, so to speak. So they have a hard time, but I still like Georgia. I think they're a good team. I, I, I'm not sold on Clemson right now. They have not played as well as I thought that they would. And if I was going to replace Clemson with anybody, I'd replace him with UCF. UCF is an excellent football team. I know they weren't challenged last week when they beat Pitt 42-14. to 14. That's, that's no great accomplishment. But this is a real team. I mean, they are a solid football team, can play with anybody. And their quarterback, uh, Mackenzie Milton, is outstanding. I mean, he counted for six touchdowns last week. Mark, they, they are for real. Do not underestimate them. This football team beat Auburn in the bowl game last year, and this is a much better football team than last year because they're playing much better defense. Offensively, they're unstoppable. Well, there you have it. So, gentlemen, that's week five, and it's a pretty exciting week. And, Coach, as you just said, you picked eight out of nine winners, and I think people are going to follow that. Well, the week six college football show contest, four big games, Oklahoma, Texas, Boston College, at undefeated NC State, undefeated LSU goes into the swamp in Gainesville to play the damn on Florida Gators. And Notre Dame takes a trip to Blacksburg, Virginia to play in Lane Stadium. And um, we've got some good stories about Lane Stadium if you've never been there. But let's start off number six, Oklahoma at number or playing number 22, Texas in the Cotton Bowl, the Ohio State or the Texas State Fair. It's the Red River rivalry. And this is a really big deal. Because this is the 113th meeting since 1900. Texas leads 61-46 with five ties. Oklahoma, though, has won the last two in a row. But here's something to think about. The last game that they played on October 6th was in October 6, 2001. And OU won that 14-3. But also don't forget, 2015, a 1-4 Texas team went in there and beat Oklahoma 14-3. So what I'm saying is records really don't matter because this is a rivalry. Lincoln Riley's going to bring that, you know, Mike Leach offense and try to throw it all over the place with big, big play Kyler Murray. And we're going to see if Texas can keep Kyler Murray off the field just like, you know, Army did. So we'll see how that goes. Mark, Red River rivalry in Dallas. Talk to us. Well, I don't think this game's going to be closer than the experts think. I think it's going to be a blowout by Oklahoma. And these are the reasons why. Even though Texas defense has only given up one touchdown pass in the last three games. They played much better. They've won their last three games. You look at Oklahoma and the way they play, particularly Kyler Murray at the quarterback position. He's completed 75% of his passes in the last three games. And listen to this, Coach. Against his last game against Baylor, 432 yards, six touchdown passes, 45 rushing yards, and another touchdown. And that was after Lincoln Riley suspended him from being the starter in that game. He had to come off the bench in that game because he was late to a meeting. So you know what they should do every week? Suspend him every week. Don't start him every week. Have him come off the bench because he's absolutely on fire with the football. Nobody's been able to slow down this offense or really stop it. Yes, they had a stumble against Army, but Kyler Murray is the real deal with the football. Whether he's running it or throwing it, he's going to be tough to beat, and Oklahoma's going to roll over Texas 45-24. to 24. Well, Kyler Murphy is a transfer from Texas A&M. So you talk about all these great quarterbacks, you know, Will Greer, et cetera. They're usually transfers. But I agree with you about Oklahoma's offense. They're very, very good. However, Texas has really improved tremendously in the last couple of weeks, Mark. In their first ball game, they got beat by Maryland. Second game, they beat Tulsa 28-21. 
Tulsa will probably end up, they were 2-10 and 10 last year, they'll probably end up 3-9 and nine this year, but they have gotten better each and every week. Beating TCU was very impressive. Here's the other thing about Oklahoma and why I cannot get real high on them. They're 90th in the country in total defense. They're 95th in the country in pass defense. And let's remember, there's only something like 129 teams in the entire category of Division I football. But I just don't think their defense is good enough or solid enough in order that's going to be a very, very close game. But I do believe Oklahoma finds a way to prevail, 33-31. But I believe I agree with the Colonel completely. In this game, it's like a... The Army-Navy game, you can throw records out the window. These are Remember this, that Oklahoma gets much of their athletes from Texas. These athletes played against one another in high school, sometimes played with one another. So it's just a, a, a great contest, very, very exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Time of possession would be a big part of that. Our second game, Boston College. You know, had that loss at Purdue, is going to undefeated number 23 NC State. Has NC State been tested? We don't know yet. But A.J. Dillon running the ball. Anthony Brown, he's thrown uh, 12 touchdowns this year with four interceptions. Going against Ryan Finley and the Wolfpack. And we're going to see how that goes because this is to see who's going to then challenge a somewhat wounded Clemson right now for that ACC Atlantic. We're going to see how that goes. Mark, talk to us about this game. Well, think about this game. You know Joe Dazio's team's going to be tough. They're going to be physical. They're going to have big offensive lines and a big back in A.J. Dillon. But the problem is they're banged up. A.J. Dillon was banged up in his last game along with three or four other players on his football team. They're game-time decisions in this game. And you look at North Carolina State. Yes, you look at their record. They're undefeated at this time. But Ryan Philly's been expert at the quarterback position. And here's the reason why. He's thrown eight touchdown passes and only one interception. He's completed 69% of his passes on the season. Coach, and not only that, he leads the ACC with 331 yards passing per game. So he's carved up every platter he's played against this season. This team is solid. They've done a great job every year, and I think this is a year very quietly North Carolina State's going to make some noise at the end of the football season. They're going to win I, this game against Boston College 34-28. I, I, I think that NC State's a good, solid football team, but other than Virginia, we don't know how good Virginia is. They haven't really been tested. Their non-conference schedule mark isn't very, very strong. Although James Madison is a very, very good football team, but they are Division One Double A. But I agree with you on the quarterbacks outstanding. Their defense is very, very mediocre. I have to go with North Carolina State. I love Boston College when A.J. Dillon was healthy, Mark. He's a big-time back. And Anthony Brown's a very, very fine quarterback. He's not running the ball as much as he did last year. But just when you're banged up, it's going to be hard for them to bounce back, particularly on the road. I look for NC State, the Wolfpack, 34-17. Well, 34-17, you have it there. And what they're going to look like as they move after this is Clemson has a – or uh, North Carolina State has a bye, and then they go play Clemson, and Boston College next week plays uh, Louisville. So we'll see how that goes. Our next game is number, six, number five, LSU – is going at number 22 and Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators in the swamp. And here's what's interesting about this game. It's a 65th meeting that goes back to 1937. But this is the fifth time since 1973 that this game was played on Saturday, October the 6th. And of those five times, two of them were in the swamp. And both of those were won by Florida. So, History may not repeat itself. Maybe it whispers a little bit. Is it going to whisper, you know, to Dan Mullen or is it going to whisper in some Cajun accent to uh, Ed Orgeron? We'll see how this is going to go, but, you know, this could be a lot closer than people think. Mark, talk to us about this game. Oh, this game's going to be close because it's going to be a low-scoring affair. The first one to 17 wins this game. But here's the reason why. If you look at LSU and their offense, Joe Burrow, the quarterback, the transfer from Ohio State, played extremely well in his last game against Ole Miss. Not only that, he had four total touchdowns, three in the air, one on the ground. The way that he's running this offense now, he's not turning the ball over. Every week I tell you about, he's managing the football team. Yes, he is. But now he's growing in this offense. They're giving him more responsibilities. And the total yards he had in this last game are outstanding, coach, not just the four touchdowns. So you look for him to make bigger explosive plays to the quarterback position, but this game will be low scoring because both defenses are outstanding. I've got LSU winning this game in the Swamp, 17-14. to 14. Well, 
you know, Burroughs has really played very, very well. But what that does also, Mark, it causes your receivers to get excited about the game. They start working a lot harder. They stay after practice. I never had many people say, I want to stay after practice and work on blocking. But they will stay, run out routes, everything. And it's starting to come into effect. Uh, Florida is not a very, very good offensive football team. Uh, but defensively, they are very good. But I love LSU's defense. I love the momentum they have at the present time. And uh, Ed Orgeron, the head coach, he, he is a very exciting individual. The players love to play for him, just his laid-back style, et cetera. But these are two staffs that know one another. This is the same staff who was at Mississippi State for the last seven years. So they understand what is offense, what is defense, and theory is it's uh, and LSU was able to handle Mississippi State. I look for him to handle Florida. 26-18 to 18 in the swamp. LSU the following week hosts uh, Georgia in Baton Rouge. Florida's going to go to Vandy. That's going to be an exciting game. But right now we're going to talk about number six Notre Dame is going to Lane Stadium, Blacksburg, Virginia, to play the number 24 Virginia Tech Hokies. And the Hokies are returning to their mountain lair after two weeks on the road to include probably the biggest upset in college football we've seen since center beat Harvard in 1921. And if you've ever been to Lane Stadium, and if you've ever been there as a fan, I'm talking as a fan because I've been there, it's not very hospitable. It is loud, and people are jumping, and it's crazy. And it's kind of like a mix between Black Friday at Walmart and Shawshank Redemption. I mean, they go crazy. If you're wearing the opposing colors trying to go get something to drink, it's, it's out of control. And then they bring in Enter Sandman, Metallica. Starts, it starts revving it up, and that crowd gets jumping, jumping. But I think what might happen is it might be quickly interrupted with an Irish jig because, you know, Virginia Tech's, you know, they've had a tough one. So we're going to see how this goes. Mark, I think you've probably played at Virginia Tech. Tell us about it. Wow, Notre Dame has been outstanding when they made the quarterback change. I've mentioned that before. Ian Book has been spectacular. They've scored 94 points in two games with him as the quarterback position coach. They're running the ball effectively. Their defense is playing outstanding. Brian Kelly's doing a great job of coaching this team and putting them in the right position. This team can beat anybody. They might beat the Chicago Bears coach, but guess what? They're going down. They're going down in Lane <laughs> Stadium. They're going down 31-30. to But Foster defense, they're going to be fired up. Lest you forget a few weeks ago, they went to the shoe and beat Ohio State, and that was after a poor performance the week before. Now you've got them coming off a win against Duke, a poor performance against Old, old, old DU, old, uh, old Dominion University. Now they've got Notre Dame exactly where they want them. Notre Dame's feeling good about themselves. Everybody's number six in the country. You just beat Stanford. You can beat anybody. Our offense is unstoppable. Our defense can play with anybody. But guess what? Fall for the trap, Notre Dame, because it's going to happen. Because Virginia Tech is lying in wait in Lane Stadium. All those people eating those big turkey legs out there that I love to eat when I go to Lane Stadium, they're going to be lying in wait for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mark this down. Notre Dame goes down 31-30 at Lane Stadium. <laughs> oh, I love you, Mark. <laughs> Only you can put on an act like that. You're trying to go. If I would not allow my children to watch you talk about a prediction on a Notre Dame game because they know you're lying through your team, there's no way. You talk about Virginia Tech. I've taken a team to Virginia Tech. We played there. Yes, it's exciting. But you know what I found out? When the opposing team scores, they don't cheer much. When the opposing team gets a sack on your cut, they don't cheer much. They are going to have an awful lot to cheer about. This Notre Dame is for real. They're on a roll, Mark, and they do not have a team, and I see that is really going to challenge them the rest of the year, whether you look at Pitt, whether you look at Northwestern, whether you look at Navy. Uh, They're a very, very good football team. And as I said, after the second week, they were 94th in the country in their ability to run the football. That has jumped up tremendously to right now. They're in the top 40. I think that they're a good, solid football team. I don't know how good Virginia Tech is. I, I was impressed with them, but now I'm not impressed with Florida State. That's why I said in the opening game, you can't really tell what's going to happen in a season because you don't know how good somebody is. You may think they're pretty good, but I would not underestimate Vince Foster, uh, Bud Foster, the defense coordinator, he has a great track record. That is the only thing that scares me. He'll come up with something, but no Michael Vick at quarterback. Notre Dame, 32-18, and I am Book, the good quarterback, takes the knee to hold the score down. 
on Virginia Tech's four-yard line when the game ends. Because we don't want to run it up. That's just the way we are. <laughs> well, gentlemanly football. Well, there you have our college football show contest in those four games. Now, the week six rapid five. We have uh, some incredible games with a lot of history to them. Kentucky, Texas A&M, Florida State at Miami, Maryland at Michigan, the Indiana Hoosiers at Ohio State, and most importantly this week is the first game of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy is Navy at Air Force. But let's talk about what's going to go down at College Station. Number 13, 5-0 Kentucky, are playing at Texas A&M, who's 3-2. And, and this is the third meeting between these two. The first meeting was in 1952, and that was in College Station. Kentucky won. They had a coach named Paul Bear Bryant. That same coach in 1953 was at Kentucky when Texas A&M came in, and they beat the Cats. Well, Coach Bryant at that time said, if you can't beat them, join them. So that year, next year, he left the University of Kentucky, became the head football coach at Texas A&M, and hasn't, you know, Kentucky hasn't played them since. What's most interesting about this right now is you got Jimbo Fisher down there doing his Junction Boys Bear Bryant imitation, and they're playing pretty tough football. But Kentucky's 5-0, and and as Mark, you said, you're on the uh, uh, Benny Snell train. What do you think about this game coming up on Saturday? Well, Kentucky's 5-0 and for the first time since 1950, so they better relish it now. Traveling down to College Station, it's going to be a heck of a ball game. It's going to be a physical, close game. But look what their defense did against South Carolina. They forced four turnovers in their last game. Kellen Mond, the quarterback for Texas A&M, has had two interceptions in each of the last two games. If they can come up with interceptions in this game, they can win this game. But they have to play it close to the vest and keep Texas A&M in the phone booth and just pound the football with Snell Jr. I think they're going to win this football game. I told you I'm on Benny Snell's bandwagon right now. 5'11", 224 pounds the football. And this defense of Kentucky is tied third in the FBS, only giving up 12.6 points per game. I think Kentucky wins it in a close one, 27-24. Boy, everything you said, Mark, makes so much sense. They're playing great defense. They're building to run the football. And they have beaten three quality football teams. They beat South Carolina, they beat Mississippi State, and they beat Florida. That is very, very impressive. On the other hand, Texas A&M doesn't have a marquee victory. And so there's no logic whatsoever why I should pick Texas A&M to win the game 26-21. I can't tell you, sometimes you just have to go with something you feel inside. And I just have a feeling the Texas A&M is going to find a way to win the game. I love Elko, the defensive coordinator. And the one thing about it, A&M has not played particularly good defense, but they are in the top 10 against the run. They're in the bottom 10 against the pass. Kentucky doesn't throw the ball very much. So you have a great Kentucky defense. You have a good A&M defense against the run, which is what Kentucky likes to do. And so I just think for some reason, I cannot explain it, A&M finds a way to win the game. As I said, just like when you argue against Notre Dame, Mark, it makes no logic. It makes no sense how you can think that. And that's the same way I feel about this game, but I'm just going with my feelings. Not my hatred, my feelings inside. Our second game. Florida State is playing at number 17 Miami. And uh, until last year's Miami 24-20 win, Florida State won the previous seven in a row. This is a 63rd meeting going back to 1951. It's an in-state rivalry. These guys played high school against each other. They knew who they, they, they've known each other since they were in the ninth grade. Um, FSU found a way to win last week against an indecisive Louisville. So they've got athletes. Maybe now they've got confidence. And Nkosi Perry's now the quarterback at Miami. Where's this going to, how's this going to turn out? Um, do you think, Mark, is this going to be a wide right, wide left, or is this going to be a blowout? Well, I think you made the, de the decision right there. Kosi Perry, the quarterback for Miami, completing 60 cents percent of his passes. I think that's been the biggest change to change a quarterback for Miami. They can put points on the board, on the ground, in the air. They're very balanced, 213 yards on the ground, rushing 217 passing. Not only that, if you look at their defense, they're number two in total defense, number one in pass defense. Manny Diaz, their defensive coordinator, has done a terrific job. Forget the turnover chain and all that stuff. Everybody's got a gimmick, but their defense is what's led this football team. And for Mark Rick, this is going to be a great football game to watch because if you think of the history of this game, Coach, all the slew of players that are in the NFL just from these two teams playing in this game all the Hall of Famers and all the future Hall of Famers in the NFL that come out of this football game is amazing, but I still have Miami winning this game comfortably 38-17. to 
Well, I, I think that uh, Manny Diaz has done a tremendous job. Now, let's look at his history, Mark. He was at Mississippi State under Mullen, did a great job, goes to Texas under Coach Brown, gets fired in the middle of the year because they aren't very good. Did have a chance for a job offer. Skip hired him as defense coordinator at Louisiana Tech. They beat Illinois in a bowl game. He goes back to Mississippi State. Then he goes back to Miami because his dad used to be the mayor of the city of Miami. He's done a great job. He Blitia comes a different way. I am going to pick Miami to win this game. Uh, and I've got to give a lot of credit to Rogier, the quarterback that started for so long, won 10 games last year for him, uh, given way to a very, very talented freshman. But until FSU gets their offensive line straightened away, Mark, they, they aren't going to do very much. They have a very talented running back. Last year, a freshman by the name of Cam, Cam Aker, he was great. He can't get to the line of scrimmage now because they just aren't providing the blocking and they aren't giving the protection that they need to give to their quarterback, who's a very talented person. So I think Miami wins the game 41-14. to Our next game is the Terrapins of Maryland going to number 15, Michigan. And you take Maryland's 3-1, and one, Michigan's 4-1. and one. But Maryland's 3-1 and one under um, an interim head coach. Uh, their plan with the, in, within the cloud following the death of Jordan McNair. You know, D.J. Durkin, their head coach, is still on administrative leave. And they're still winning some football games. And then you got Michigan on the other side. Struggled against Northwestern. Had to come back and, and, and play from behind. And then they finally won it in the end. I think this game, you know, could be surprise. A lot of people we're going to see is it emotion, and Maryland's coming off a bye. So, how do you see all that plays out for this game, Mark? I think you look at Matt Canada, the Maryland interim coach. He's done a terrific job of getting them to three and one at this point of the season with all the things that he said swirling around this program. But I think the thing about Michigan, which you have to understand, is when they play at the Big House, they're a totally different team than they are when they're on the road. They haven't scored less than 45 points at home, and their defense is number one in the FBS in total defense. Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, each and every year has this defense playing at a high level, and they finally got a quarterback that can throw the ball and move in the pocket. That's Shea Patterson. He didn't play well against Notre Dame, but since then he's completed over 68% of his passes on the season. That's where they get the job done at home in the big house. Maryland will put up a great fight in this game, but Michigan will still win it in the end, 27-21, Coach. Uh, Michigan's defense is outstanding. If you take the five different statistics on defense and average them out, Michigan ranked sixth on all five of them. I mean, they're outstanding on defense. Maryland's hard to get a hold of. You know, their interim coach was the offense coordinator at LSU last year, and they let him go because he was ineffective. And he goes, maybe he had a good offense coordinator, but he's a heck of a head coach. I don't know. Three and one is impressive, particularly the fact they beat Texas. And then the way they manhandled Minnesota, now that surprised me. But, boy, when you lose the Temple, uh, yeah. By a couple touchdowns and Temple's two and three at the present time, you have to say, I, can't, I just can't go against Michigan. I'm looking for Michigan to win this football game 31-18, although it might be much worse. The two one-loss teams in the Big Ten are going to see how that evens out. Our fourth game, Indiana 4-1 and one, is going to the horseshoe to play undefeated Ohio State. Now, I bring this up because here's something to think about. Last year... Ohio State beat Penn State by one point. Well, the very next week, they went and they played an unranked Iowa team and got blown out. That one wasn't even close. Now, is Indiana that Iowa team? No. Is it at Ohio State? Yes, it's on the road. But Tom Allen, the head coach, is a defensive guy. Indiana is ranked 14th in pass defense right now. Um, maybe they'll make it to at least halftime and keep it competitive. Mark, what do you think? Well, I think you look at this game – Ohio State's going to be a little bit sloppy in this game. And the reason why is because of that big win at Penn State, they're not going to play their A game, but they're going to get into their groove later on in this football game. And you look at Dwayne Haskins, their quarterback. He's been outstanding with the football. 19 touchdown passes already and only two interceptions. You look at Weber, the running back. Dobbins, the running back. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Offensively, I've been very impressed in what they've been able to do this season. But defensively, I still question their defense, particularly their run defense. They have a tough time stopping anybody. They're giving up 200 yards and almost – every one of their football games this season. Oregon State had 200 yards against this defense in the shoe. But I think Indiana will hang in there. They'll hang in there close. But it doesn't matter. Ohio State has too many good athletes. They're going to blow this one away late. 48-17, to 17, Coach. Urban Meyer's going to have his backups in in the fourth quarter. 
Well, when I was trying to figure out what the score of this game was, I thought maybe I'd call Ohio State because I think they could name the score. They could say, oh, whatever, this we think we're going to beat it by 60, 50, 40, whatever the case may be. The head coach at Indiana was the defensive coordinator at South Florida under Willie Taggart. Did a great job. Went to Indiana as, as a defensive coach. Did a great job the first year. Then Kevin Wilson, the head coach, who did a tremendous job, Mark, at Indiana, got fired because he said something nasty to his player. I don't know what it is. He's now at Ohio State. I can assure you, the Ohio State players aren't going to let happen to them what happened to them at Iowa last year. They love Kevin Wilson. They'll play very, very well for him. And this is not a great Indiana football team. It's a solid football team, but Ohio State's outstanding. I pick Ohio State to win a game 45-21. I agree with you, Mark. I worry about the defense of, against the run and the secondary. But you've got to remember, they've lost so many talented athletes to the NFL off the defense, Mark, out of the secondary. And then to lose Joey Boza, your best defensive lineman, your sack leader, et cetera, it hurts you and they haven't been able to replace him. But nevertheless, Ohio State prevails. Well, the Buckeyes will keep prevailing. We'll see how that goes in the Big Ten, and then we move on from there. Big game. Our last game is Navy at Air Force. It's the first game of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. And Navy's 2-2. Two and two. Air Force is 1-4. and four. But don't let that fool you because they've all been really, really, really close losses. Here's the thing about these two teams. Navy's number one in rushing. Air Force is number 11. They run the ball. They run the ball. Falcon Stadium is at 6,600 feet elevation. Well, it's the second highest uh, stadium in the country. What's that say about conditioning? Because we know where Annapolis, Maryland is. So the key here is going to be turnovers, who can uh, hold on to the ball longer. But most importantly, the key here is that the cadets and the midshipmen, they go out, they go out and they give their all, and they're going to go on to bigger and better things after that. So this game is for pretty much everything right now, because if you can win this first one, you only got to win more and you get the trophy. Coach, Mark, talk to us about this. Well, I like this game because it is involved with the Commanders-in-Chief trophy. And not only that, when you look at the way this game is going to play out, you talked about the elevation. But, Kevin, you didn't talk about this. It's supposed to rain on Saturday. It's supposed to be nothing but 51 degrees, the coldest temperature in the FBS on Saturday playing this weekend. Can they handle the altitude, the rain, and the weather situation? It's going to be tough for Navy going roll. Cold fade, their, their, their fullback has been a terrific runner this year, even though Air Force has had to use multiple quarterbacks this season. And here's the reason why I have to pick Air Force. My niece is the only African-American female commanding a base in the United States. She commands Bowling Air Force Base outside of D.C. I've got to go with the Air Force. Air Force 21, Navy 17. Well, Mark, the last time there was an accurate weather forecast was when God told Noah it was going to rain. <laughs> it hadn't been accurate since then, so let's keep that in mind. I've gone out and played at the Air Force Academy. It's a beautiful setting. It's a beautiful place. The cadets are great. It's exciting. And the 6,600 feet does make a difference. Boy, you exert yourself for one or two plays. You need 30 seconds to get your rest. But what upset me about Air Force, I think this will motivate Army the same way it did us at Notre Dame. In the locker room, they have a sign. You're at mile high. Exertion can be hazardous to your health. Please don't overexert yourself. I mean, I'm saying to the players, oh, don't look that side right now. And everything in the locker room is pale blue, which is supposed to be very peaceful. You want to go to sleep, et cetera. But I'll tell you what, it's wonderful that for the kickoff, here come the Jets in the wishbone formation flying across there, and the students go great. But I have to go with Navy. I think uh, Navy with their quarterbacks outstanding. I just love the coach at Navy. Navy wins 35 24 over the Air Force. Gentlemen, I have some people that agree with you, and we talk about these midshipmen, and they're young. And then what do they do after they're midshipmen? Well, they go on and they serve their country as a Marine or in the United States Navy. And I got two groups that want to talk to you. They got some videos I'm going to show you in the studio right now. And the first is from the fifth company at the U.S. Naval Academy, and they have a message for both of you all. Hey, Mark and Coach. We heard your prediction for this weekend's game, and we strongly believe that Navy's gonna crush Air Force. Go Navy! Be Air Force! So you take those midshipmen right there, and what do they do when they grow up? Well, this next video comes from five former Naval Academy football players, 
currently United States Marines at Headquarters Marine, or Marine Barracks, Washington, D.C. Please show that to Coach and Mark. Gentlemen, former Navy football players here coming to you from the parade deck at Marine Barracks, Washington, D.C., just outside the home of the Commandants. Mark, we heard your pick, and we're not a fan. But, Coach, thanks a lot for the support. We got Navy coming in hot to Colorado Springs this weekend to crush the Air Force. High and tight, just like Coach Nehemiah taught us. It says it all. That's very, very well done. I'll tell you what, those were impressive football players. No wonder Navy won. I thought it was coaching. But, uh, you know, and, and no matter who, there's no losers in this football game. It will be a class game after the game. They'll hug one another, congratulate one another. And I do believe Navy win. I hope Navy wins because I picked them. Both of those teams are winners regardless, guys. And, and those young men and those young ladies, they're going to go out and they're going to patrol the seas and they're going to patrol the land. They're going to protect the United States. And I've got nothing but respect and love for them and, and just pray for their, their health and their safety and thank, for, and thank them for what they're doing. Amen. Mark, from your niece to those midshipmen, that, uh, that's the best that America has to offer. And I always say that. Well, not that wraps up that. our... I want to interrupt you. That's not only the best America, that's the best I've heard Mark offer. That was well done, Mark. I will applaud you on that. That's very well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's our college football show and rapid uh, five contest for week six. Now, what we have for week five is we've got some winners. And, gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind, uh, there's some winners in front of you. So, Coach, the college football show contest winner, there's three of them. You could uh, tell us who they are, please. I'm going to start with uh, number three, Karen Templeton, $100 Amazon gift card. Congratulations, Karen. Number two, Ty Evans. He likewise gets a $100 Amazon gift card. But number one goes to Michael Bowman, $250 Amazon gift card. And I hope you'll make a good gift to me. My Rapid Five contest top three are number three. Jeff Price gets a $100 Amazon gift card. Number two, Sonny Pack gets a $100 Amazon gift card. And number one, Boyd Farrar gets a $250 Amazon gift card. Congratulations to all three of you. Well, what's even more exciting than winning money is uh, being recognized with an attaboy. And so what I'd like to ask Mark and Coach, uh, who are your attaboys for this week five of college football? Well, my first attaboy goes to Clemson running back Travis Entenane. And the reason why is they lost their starting quarterback in a football game early in this football game, Trevor Lawrence. They had to depend on him in a big football game. They were behind by multiple scores in this game. He got the job done when it had to be done by running the football behind the offensive line. 203 yards, three touchdowns. My next one, Arizona State running back Eno Benjamin. And the reason why is he broke a 45-year-old 40, record at Arizona State, rushing for 312 yards on 30 carries, scored three touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. Terrific job. They're my attaboys. Uh, those are very, very well done. There's a lot of attaboys you could pick. I'm going to pick an attaboy on a losing football team. Trace McSorley from Penn State, the quarterback. All he did was McKenzie happened to throw for well over 300 yards. He rushed for 175 yards himself. He had 461 yards total offense, two touchdowns, no turnovers, no interceptions, and rushed for out of the 491 yards of Penn State gain. That's a full day's work. Congratulations, him. The second one goes to Mackenzie Milton, the UCF quarterback. He accounted for six touchdowns. He threw for almost 300 yards, four touchdowns, carried the ball five times, 50 yards, excuse me, 10 times for 51 yards and two touchdowns. Counted for six touchdowns. Now, I understand it wasn't against a great team like Pitt, but nevertheless, they dominated Pitt 42-14. But not only, ladies and gentlemen, the reason I won him was an attaboy. You people watch this UCF team. They're for real, and this quarterback should be in the Heisman hunt by the time this year's over if people are fair and honest. Love the attaboys, and in two weeks, we're going to talk Heisman picks. So, we're close to finishing our week six show, but why don't I ask first, and Mark, I'm going to ask you, um, what are you looking forward to on this weekend coming up? Well, this weekend, how about all the rivalry games that are out there? We talked about Air Force and Navy. We talked about Miami and, and FSU. But how about this big one, Minnesota and Iowa? And the reason why it's a big one to me is because it's for Floyd of Rosedale, Coach, and you should know about this trophy. The reason why I like it is because as being a former hog, any trophy that's a prize trophy that's got a hog or a pig involved in it, I'm all in. 
I know exactly what that trophy looks like, and I know how much it weighs. It's a heavy sucker out there. But I think that's a very good point, Mark, because I want to see which team's going to bounce back. I thought Minnesota would be a contender this year. They always win their first three non-conference games. They're never against very talented football teams. But I want to see how well they'll do uh, against University of Iowa. But I'll tell you what I'm really looking forward to. After this week, Teams are either going to make or break this season. You're going to fall into a category where we just want to get to a bowl and have a winning season, or, hey, we have a chance to really do something special. Texas is in that situation right now. So is Oklahoma. Many, many teams are, as well as Notre Dame. And, and you don't have to be the best team in the country, but you better be the best team in the stadium that day. I'm looking forward to Navy Air Force because when they go out there, the cadets and the midshipmen, they're going to go all in and then move on to a vocation of which there's no higher calling, and I think we all agree with that. Gentlemen, that's our week six show, and it's a wrap. And I can't thank you enough. I'm excited to hear how this weekend's football is going to go. So for everyone out there, please go to thecrowdsline.com, play in our contest, listen to our podcast, and stay tuned for more. God bless, and thank you. From the 30, Johnson out of the shotgun. Dropping back, pressure on, throwing over the middle. Has Williams, 10, 5, touchdown! 